Welcome everyone to another episode of Women Wide for Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Nishant Shalom. When you go to the doctor with a complaint of fatigue or numbness and tingling, some loss of memory and even loss of weight, and you know something is not right, but all of your test results come back normal. And I know you've heard this conversation a number of times from many of my videos, but this is going to be a different subject that you might actually need to think about because many of us get exposed to this particular substance. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Christopher Shade, who's going to explain to us about all about, I should say, all about mercury. What are the types of mercury we all get exposed to? Because he founded this company, Quicksilver Scientific, that is focused on what we call as speciation of mercury. There are different types of inorganic mercury and different types of organic mercury, different sources we as human beings get exposed to this particular heavy metal. When do you find that this mercury in your system is too toxic for the well-being of your body? Where did you get it from? How do you identify the source? How do you get rid of the mercury from your body? And what can you do to make sure you're not impacted by this heavy metal, which is something that we all get exposed to. It is present in the rocks on earth. And if you eat fish, there's a good chance you are getting a little mercury in your system. So we'll have this conversation with Dr. Shade about the different types of mercury. Another thing Quicksilver Scientific does also is produces what is called liposomal nutraceuticals. Liposomal is a delivery system that helps these nutraceuticals, which are not pharmaceuticals, but they are a little more bioavailable and not regulated by the FDA. So a lot of supplement companies make these. But Quicksilver Scientific has particularly liposomal nutraceuticals, which helps the absorption of these nutraceuticals into the system and how they impact our well-being. We'll have a little conversation around that. So if you are concerned, you're one of those who's had dental amalgams or you've been told you might have mercury toxicity, but all of your test results are coming back normal, this might be the conversation you want to listen to because the regular blood test may not pick up mercury we need to do what is called a provocation test and we'll talk a little about that and if you know someone who's struggling with memory loss very early and they there is an occupational exposure of mercury sometimes it's found in the makeup industry it is also being found if somebody really likes to fish um, whether it be in the lakes or buy a lot of sea fish you want to listen to this conversation because if you're genetically wired not to eliminate mercury, even a little amount of fish might be dangerous for you. So, so much to cover, so little time. As always, you like this conversation, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, share this with anyone whom you believe will benefit from this information. And without any further delay, here's my conversation with Dr. Shade. So welcome, Dr. Shade. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. And I know you have a wealth of information on a topic that most people are probably not thinking about it if they are used to going into the right. conventional medical world. I mean, if they've seen functional medical doctors, they always talk about metal toxicity. But uh, can you talk into, first of all, your history? How did you get to open Quicksilver? And um, what was your journey and what was your impetus to do this 
or pat patent this technology to uh, test for mercury. Yeah, you know, so it was, a, it was kind of a funny and circuitous journey to get there. Uh, you know, I was born in a steel town, actually, uh, mm -hmm. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the second biggest steel plant in the U.S. next to U.S. Steel in Pittsburgh. There was Bethlehem Steel in Bethlehem. And so, I, I mean, it's not that I really knew this was going on then, but, I, you know, you'd wake up in the morning and there would be these huge orange clouds in the sky from the blast furnaces and there'd be a residue of of, of uh, ash on your car every morning. It was pretty nasty. And then I started going uh, to my dentist and my dentist always had to give me a filling. So I thought that I had 17 cavities. Well, it turns out that I only had one cavity and all the rest were little cracks and they call it sealant. So they drill it out and they put some, some amalgam in there. And so mercury amalgam, the silver fillings are 50% uh, mercury, you know, maybe 48% silver and a couple other metals to sort of temper it down. And so I had these things building up in my mouth. And I remember one of the symptoms I started getting, you know, in, in high school was, was this sort of snappy temperature temper. And uh, it wasn't that I would go off on people, but I would break walls all the time. Oh, and, like, I would like little things would would piss me off my record player and stuff and and so this is you know turns out to be one of the symptoms of heavy metals is the inflammation in the liver and the sort of liver fire that you get from that uh and so i went through school and uh i noticed i wasn't really by the time i got to graduate school i wasn't or by the time i got to undergraduate i went to lehigh university i wasn't just firing on all cylinders like i like i was before and then I sort of had a break with, I, I was going in a science realm and I didn't like how that, I was doing environmental science, but it didn't seem like you ever really did anything to help. So I left school and I became an organic farmer. And so I was into sustainable agriculture at the time. I was a biodynamic farmer. And as I did this and I, I lived, you know, a much more nutritional, uh, nutrition dense lifestyle, I started feeling better. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. It was a little early in organic farming to be making money. I joked that I went out of business the year Whole Foods came around. <laughs> and uh, from there, I went and I did some organic farming research and I did some outreach work uh, for the organic farming place called Rodale Institute at, uh, at Epcot Center. And uh, I met a woman there and, uh, you know, I wanted to marry her. So I'm like, I got to go back to school. So I went back to school and I did uh, pollution around agriculture for my master's. And then I went to do a PhD and I was going to do the same thing. And I was at the University of Illinois and I found it really boring how they were doing it. And they had me interviewing with different professors. And this one guy, I go in there and he's got this global mercury cycling uh, model in this picture mm -hmm. on his computer and he starts asking me questions and he's like clearly the smartest guy that I met in that department by far and uh and you know he says hey do you uh are you good in the lab and I'm like yeah I'm great in the lab and he goes can you make me a new mercury speciation system and I'm like sure 
what's that? And so I just dove all the way in and it was like beg, borrow, steel equipment. And what he needed me to do was make a test where you could separate different forms of mercury, the organic or methyl mercury form that builds up in the fish versus the inorganic mercury form, which is what's coming down in the rain or in our exposure, it's what we're getting from the mercury fillings. And so that was really big in environmental chemistry. And I got my PhD, I patented that test, and then I went to start a company doing that. And I really wanted to get back into the holistic health roots that I was in as an organic farmer. And so I wanted to do testing of mercury in people. And so I came to Boulder and started this company and uh, I started doing some environmental work, but then I got hooked up very quickly with some of the old luminaries in mercury toxicology uh, and integrative, uh, integrative medicine, uh, namely Dietrich Klinghart and Hal Huggins. Mm -hmm. and those were like, those were the guys in Mercury at the time. And so I showed them my testing and I showed them the, the products that I started developing for it. And they were all the way in. They loved it. And so I really got my start with those two, uh, with the testing and a product called IMD. It was basically like putting a chelator on a piece of sand and eating it. So it goes through your gut and it grabs all the mercury from around your gut and takes it out. Now, how did I even get to doing that? First, I was just going to do testing. And, you know, what we really needed at the time was, you know, to be able to show what source of mercury do you have? What form of mercury is in you? And all the work up till then in integrative and functional medicine didn't differentiate those two. It was very dark ages to me because I come from this world where we're very clear about what forms and where they go, how you get them out, you know, how does it move through the environment? And, uh, I first started just doing the testing and I was, I started taking chelators to do challenge testing. Cause I was going to say, all right, people do challenge testing. I'm going to speciate and tell you what forms in there. And uh, so I, I did that. It made me feel pretty lousy, but I did it. And then I got all my amalgams out and I started taking all these chelators. And I'm taking all this CMSA and I'm measuring my urine. I'm going to document this whole thing and nothing's really coming out. And I'm getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And uh, I was going to all these functional medicine uh, seminars at the time. And I'm in Boulder County. And so all the best were coming through here. Bob Roundtree was talking, Nigel Plummer. And, uh, and I was hearing all this about GI health and the immune system and detoxification. And suddenly I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be trying to put all this metal through the kidneys, I should put it through the intestines and work on that movement from the blood to the intestines through the liver and some of it's direct. And so I made, I had been making these products in graduate school to collect mercury out of water so that we could measure it, to collect it all out of water and focus it down into a small place. And so I cleaned these materials up and they were like chelators on little silica gel, little sand grains. And so I cleaned all those materials up and, and I started using it myself and I fixed all the problems that I had started with the chelation. And so that was my start. I had this GI based detox and a test. And that was how we started everything. And from there, we had to start developing more around the glutathione system. And that led us into doing liposomes, uh, first liposomal glutathione and C with lipoic acid. And then we expanded from there to do lots of different detox support, immune support, longevity support, all in this liposome and nanoparticle format.
Got it. So I'm going to unpack all that because I, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people who never understood uh, what this mercury is, um, I, I, we, I, I want to break it down. So mercury is something that I think is naturally present in the environment, which is what we know. Yeah. The rocks have it. And like you said, when in, in the rain, it gets released from the rocks. We have it in the sea. In the sea, it gets converted by the microorganisms and the fish consume that. And then we also dump a lot of other pollutants into the sea. So we have different sources of mercury. And for a long time, dentistry did use mercury in the fillings. I don't think they do that anymore. It's my they understanding. Do. They still no, do it? They do. It's very socioeconomic. Medicaid Mm -hmm. only pays for mercury amalgam. So oh if God. you're on Medicaid, that's all you get. If you got money, then you get the white ones. Oh, that is terrible. That is terrible. That yeah. is discrimination. It doesn't matter what we would. Uh, so because I know um, that's that's where conventional medicine and functional medicine really butt heads. Mm -hmm. People who don't believe in this mercury thing will say there's nothing wrong with it's It's an inert material in the uh, teeth and it doesn't really affect you in any right. way which isn't but, true which isn't true there are studies that showed not everybody is affected but some people are but however i have a question for you let's say there's a medicaid patient listening to us and now they are freaking out because they have about five or six six fillings and they've had it for 20 years do you believe that they should go and get that removed well, there's, yeah, I mean, that's a point of controversy and they should only get it removed if they have a mercury safe dentist, someone who knows how to remove it with the proper vacuums and the barriers called dental dams or essentially latex mm -hmm. barriers so that uh, they have a vacuum behind it and there's just a tooth sticking out and they're over here drilling it yeah. and, and they're sucking all the vapor out so that you don't uh, absorb it. Because I've seen people with pretty high mercury levels go up fivefold after a unsafe removal where they just go in and drill it out. Because what they're doing is vaporizing the mercury under the high heat and mm. friction of the drill. And so when they, you know, one thing that you said before is that they'll say that the, the mercury is inert. So you mix mercury just sitting there uh, as that liquid silver has a lot of mercury vapor coming off of it. Right. Now, when you mix it with silver, you have much less vapor coming off of it, but you still have vapor coming off of it. In fact, you know, they used to, when I was in environmental mercury, they would, you go to the conferences and the guys selling the mercury uh, meters would say, hey, blow into it. And you see it go, Wah. and, you know, I mean, there's just reams and reams of data showing that it's still coming off as a vapor. You're inhaling it. It goes right through your lungs and circulates around as a vapor and then uh, oxidizes into this stuff called inorganic mercury. The way iron goes to, to rust, this is mm -hmm. the same thing that happens and then it's toxic. Uh, and so when you, so they're not inert when they're in there, but then when you drill them, they really degas a lot. So you, to get them out, you need the right people getting them out. They have really good protocols from that. And if you do that, and I've measured people before and after, you have almost no exposure. Right. So I think it comes down to affordability. So if you can afford it, uh, which again, you know, it really comes down to whether this is your priority. And secondly, can you afford it if you have health care for it? Um, I my, my advice has been if it's been there for 20 years and I'm not able to see too much in the test where, like you said, I live and you, you have 
chosen to live an organic life, eating very healthy, do everything else in your life right by your body, the chances are that particular mercury is probably not going to be the biggest concern. But if you're very sick and you've been doing everything within your power to be healthy and you're still sick um, and you have, you know, kind of a mild depression or you have neuropathy, but you don't have any blood sugar problems, maybe looking at that content of mercury in your mouth might be important. And then setting a budget or a plan to get it removed um, is what I understand would be yeah. a good approach. Yeah, I mean, your biggest symptoms are anxiety and fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, fatigue because of the effect on the mitochondria at a cellular level and on the thyroid and adrenals at a systemic level. Uh, anxiety, is it working on the glutamate receptors in the brain? And as you are ramped up too high, then you start crashing into depression. So you'll have anxiety and depression cycling uh and you know that's very you know uh very archetypal uh mercury symptoms but yeah when you're in that chronic disease state you have to get all of these things out of your system in in order to get better and that's when you really need to go and do this uh and so as as you get older there's two things going on one is some of your resources for detoxification are getting lower Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's hormones that go into it. There's uh, and, uh, NAD levels, there's glutathione levels. Those are all sinking with age. But the mercury f- is getting progressively less leachable from yeah. the amalgam. So less and less is coming out. So you have to make those decisions. Usually the people who really need to get them out are a little younger and they're starting to get into a health crisis. Crisis, yeah. And they got to get everything out. You know, if you're like... Now I'll give you a counter to that too. So I was going to say, if you're 70 and you're doing all right, you know, fine. I was going to give you a counter to that too, but that's fine. You give me your counter. Well, well, yeah, my counter is my mother, you know? And so I got into this whole thing and she was, let's say 60. Hmm. Uh, No, no, she was older. Yeah. Because she died at 78. So all right. Mid 60s say. Mm -hmm. And uh, early to mid 60s. So I, got her to go and get them all out, you know, yeah. and spend all this money, get them all out. At the time, one of my biggest concerns was her kind of slide towards dementia. Her mom had Alzheimer's really bad and she was starting to get very forgetful. And, uh, you know, my dad was, had amalgams, but he was fine. So she gets them out and she doesn't do the detoxes and oh. stuff. I gave her all this stuff <laughs> and, you know, it's your mother, you know? And so I'd come back nine hours, nine, nine months later and say, did you take all this? And she'd be like, oh, I took it every day but the bottles are all still full. All right. So it's going to take longer for her to clear up. You know, come like seven years later, you know, my sister and I are like, mom is sharp as a tack. You know, she really did recover a lot of her cognitive function by getting that out of her system. Mm. And, you know, she eventually got sick and died from other issues, but cognitively, you know, until she had, you know, systemic infections and stuff, she got better uh, significantly over time after she got those out and, you know, having started in her sixties with the removal. So you got to make those decisions, but there, you know, you have early onset dementia. That's, uh, an indicator that you should get this stuff out. 
Yeah, even with dementia. In fact, one of the protocols for dementia is get the mercury out. Sometimes, you know, they're looking at estrogen replacement, removal of mercury, all the controversial approaches in our older patient just to rejuvenate their brain. Because if you're alive, you might as well be be alive and well rather than alive. I mean, we're like they say, you're dying. We're all dying longer. We're dying from the age of 35. And all of these things do impact our health every decade of life. So, I, you know, I had a few questions that like I discussed before yep. we got started. Now we talk about mercury and, you know, the biggest controversy, especially in this time and, you know, time of the world is about the vaccine and mercury in vaccines yep. and why people don't take. With your testing, can you differentiate between the mercury that they get from food as opposed to the inorganic mercury, which really doesn't get into so many of your tissues. Technically speaking, it's just supposed to pass through your gut, but, and what is in the vaccine? Can you differentiate? Between all right. Well, let's, let's just go through them all and yeah. what their function is. So mm-hmm. you start from the base mercury. You've got the mercury metal. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now the mercury metal you can eat and it will just slide right through you and go right. out. But is that the one coming. that you play with in the thermometer? Yeah. Blood pressure? Yep. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. But there's a vapor coming off of that and you inhale that vapor and you absorb 80% of it. Yes. And, and then it rusts in your body and becomes inorganic mercury salt, HG2 plus mm-hmm. very, very sticks to all your enzymes, sticks to your glutathione, your antioxidant system, mucks everything up very sticky and mucky. All right. So in the environment that mercury, uh, the mercury metal also oxidizes to inorganic mercury. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mercury vapor comes off of coal and Mm -hmm. in the air oxidizes to inorganic mercury and then rains down. So that goes down into the lakes, into the oceans, as you said, that gets biomethylated to methylmercury and that builds up in the fish. So uh, you can have amalgams where you in, you inhale the vapor vapors. And organic mercury. You also have it corroding off the teeth and forming inorganic mercury on the surface that gets in your saliva and you swallow that. Mm-hmm. Now that you do not absorb, but it's corrosive to your gut lining. And so it's bad for the gut lining and that actually blocks detoxification. Mm. All right. So the, the amalgams corrode your gut, block detox and inhale into the body. Yeah. The fish-based mercury you eat that your body actually thinks that it's methionine Mm -hmm. because in the fish it's methylmercury bound to cysteine an amino acid Mm -hmm. and when you break down the proteins you still have methylmercury cysteine your body thinks that is methionine and a 95 percent absorption into the blood and absorption into the brain into the fetal tissue along protein gradients Mm -hmm. uh and then you have the inorganic mercury. I'm, I'm sorry. Then you have the thimerosal. Thimerosal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is ethyl mercury, thiosalicylate, mm-hmm. technically. And mm-hmm. so you have methyl mercury in fish, ethyl mercury in vaccines. Yeah. So ethyl mercury, you get all into the body because you inject it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the what's important here is the fate of it. The ethyl mercury first moves like methyl mercury, can get into the brain, uh, can get into different tissues, but it breaks down very quickly into inorganic mercury. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're measuring exposures, we just measure methyl mercury and inorganic mercury. Uh, most people's exposures to ethyl mercury from vaccines are kind of low now. 
it used to be in almost all the vaccines and now it's in not it's all it's not in any pediatric vaccines there's right. very few vaccines that have it anymore so they've kind of moved that out of the picture so we don't really measure that one anymore we're measuring what's from the fish what's from the amalgam and then the fish-based mercury in the body also breaks down into the amalgam-based mercury, the inorganic mercury. Mm -hmm. So those are the two we're looking at in the test, the inorganic mercury and the methyl mercury. They're different how they go through the body. Inorganic's actually more toxic, even though methyl's more mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, methyl's easier to get out. Mm -hmm. Inorganic's a little bit slower. Methyl only goes through the bile, through the liver, the bile, intestines. Uh, and... Uh, inorganic mercury goes out through the kidneys and through the liver and the bile. So, you know, when we look at it, we're looking at what are the two relative levels? How much methyl do you have? How much inorganic you have? And then we measure it in the urine and in the hair. Hmm. And when you compare the inorganic mercury in the blood to the urine inorganic mercury, it tells you how well the kidneys are filtering that out. Hmm. And if there's damage to the kidneys, which... The mercury can do, but it's usually mercury in conjunction with something called endotoxin, which you get from leaky gut or periodontal disease or UTIs. Those combinations block the, the kidneys from doing stuff. So the test becomes a functional test of how well the kidneys are working as well as the levels. And then the hair is an excretion path for methylmercury. Now, ideally, we'd measure bile versus blood to see how well the liver's going, but you can't really do that. Uh, and so we're, we're looking at the hair as our, as our surrogate there. So basically your test will include, um, blood. It includes hair and what else? Urine. Urine. So, so we call it the mercury tri test because there's mm -hmm. three, uh, three components to it. Got it. And I've, I've done for a couple of my patients and usually it comes back normal. Do you need to pro provoke them to get more out of the urine? At all? No, no, because no. you're not trying to do that. Okay. You know, the provocation test was a totally different thing. Okay. So we're trying to see whatever, what's the disposition of everything naturally? Okay. Because there's always mercury coming out in the urine. And if there's not, you have a damage to the kidneys. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking in the blood at what the relative levels are. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody's sick, you're going to be more, you know, like if they're in the 75th percentile, you're still going to want to get them down. Yeah. But, you know, if they're in the 50th, well, who, who really cares? It's not all that high. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at things as they are and you can't provoke it or else you won't see the disruptions uh, that are going on in mobilization of methylmercury or mobilization of inorganic mercury. The myth around the challenge test was that it would go into the cells and mobilize some amount yeah. of mercury from every cell but it yeah. doesn't get into the cells. It doesn't get across the blood brain barrier. All it does is take the stuff that's in the blood and lymph and a little bit of soft tissue stuff and make it more mobile to go through the kidneys. So everybody's urine levels rise when you take a chelator. Mm. Now, back when they started this 30 years ago, if you just took a urine sample and measured it, it would look like you didn't have anything in there Yes, because they couldn't measure low enough. Oh, I see. They couldn't I see. see what was in there, but it was in there. So it's like having a height measurement and the limit for your height measurement is five foot one inch. Now, everybody below five foot one inch doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it never said zero and say less than this. And everybody mm -hmm. thinks that means zero. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't see anything and because they couldn't measure real low. So they give you the chelator and the levels pop up. 
Mm. But, you know, it's just like taking normal, normal urine levels and multiplying by 10. And now we can see the levels. Okay. And, but, but, you know, after the challenge. But now we don't need that anymore. So the and tests so, have improved is what you're saying. So yeah. we can catch mercury. Like if, if it's above a certain level, you know you have it um, in the past. So when we do chelation, are, are you saying we're disturbing a hemostasis and we're just, we just don't need to do that? Well, Why it's not the way we to... want to test, yeah, you know, because okay. don't disturb and test because everybody goes up. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a there was a guy who sold DMS, uh, DMPS yeah. and he was pushing challenge tests and then you buy his DMPS. And he told me once that he had a huge conference once and there was a mm -hmm. thousand doctors. He got them all to take the DMPS mercury challenge, you know, metals yeah. challenge. And he said, how many do you think were uh you, you everybody says i'm off the chart right yeah. and so that's because the chart is based on non-chelation mm. so getting up to it might go up to like nine parts per billion in the urine mm. so that's pretty high for unchallenged urine but it's low for challenged urine so he said how many people were off the chart i said almost all of them he said 950 so 95 percent of the people taking that test look really high Mm-hmm. So yeah. just so somebody listening to this, if they uh, normally you measure mercury levels, like if you go to a conventional medical doctor, they'll measure mercury levels. It'll say mm -hmm. less than 2.5. I think that's what it says on Quest Labs or something. But when you go to a functional medical doctor, they take one without and then they ask you to take the DMSA. So many pills about, I think, I don't know, about 800 milligrams or so. They really challenge you. And then they measure it again. And then if you're excreting a lot, then they say, okay, you need to undergo mercury detox. What I hear you say is you don't need to do that. There are tests that will actually measure the level that you have it or not. And you can just start doing the detox. Am I understanding yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. And, you know, before, before we did mercury speciation, that was a problem too. So in the blood, like if I gave you equal amounts of methyl and inorganic mercury, injected them into you, gave mm -hmm. three days to equilibrate everything, and I measure your blood, mm -hmm. you probably have 15-fold more methyl mercury in the blood than inorganic mercury in the blood. Because mm -hmm. there's always more in the tissues than the blood. There's a relation, you know, there's it's called a distribution between the two. Mm -hmm. But uh, for inorganic mercury, it's much more skewed to the tissue. So it shows less in the blood for a given amount than methylmercury does. And so before we could separate the two, your blood only reflected if you ate fish. Mm. So you could have a mouthful of amalgams and they would measure your blood and they say there's nothing there. Mm. Now we can measure super, super low and we separate the two and we're looking for these little amounts of inorganic mercury mean a lot in the blood. Mm. So that was that without that, you still, the challenge test was better. Uh, because blood was just showing methylmercury and urine was just showing inorganic mercury and you'd have to do them both. But then urine only shows inorganic mercury correctly if the kidneys aren't damaged. Yeah. yeah that's, that's why right. you need to show both in the blood and then see what's happening in the urine. And then you really have a good picture of what's going on. And talk to me about the hair, because I thought the hair just told, tells you years of exposure. Does that actually show that current level of mercury oh yeah there, yeah but... that's so well worked out i mean that was done for years the yeah uh the, the that was hair is, hair is growing a centimeter per month yeah 
and each centimeter reflects the blood that it, it was exposed to right then. Mm-hmm. So like uh, when I had hair and specifically longer hair, I remember uh, taking it, you know, I, it's curly. So I'd pull it out like that and I measured every centimeter and you could see my trip to Japan. It just went way up. And came oh, really? Way. You could. So, so yeah, no, it is. It is a distinct. It shows time, but it's not showing years ago. No, it's of course. showing the yeah. time when the follicle was born, what blood was bathing it right then. So if you have a 12 inch hair length, then it's 12 months. Yep. yep. So tw- I could... think it's a centimeter per month. A so, centimeter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I'm sorry, 12 yeah. centimeters hair. Yep. It's yep. 12 so months. So you have long hair. We could, we could show your exposure for the last several years. Yeah. 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 You're right. And so, so that's when we, when, like, if we were sampling you, we'd have you cut it at the root and then cut the first inch and throw the rest away. So we're looking at the most recent exposures. Got it. Okay. That, that makes more sense. So what has been your most, um, like, um, amazing story of mercury exposure, detox and recovery? Yeah. Yeah, You know, we were talking about Tony Robbins before, and we we can talk about him. He's the most famous one because he had, well, we'll talk about that first and then we'll talk about sort of a a more impactful one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Tony Robbins had gone from being a vegan to being a paleo guy. Yeah. And, you know, after you come from vegan, you can't go to the hoof. I always say, you know, you're not going to eat pigs and cows. You know, yeah. the fin is about as far as you can go into the meat yeah. world. And, <laughs> and so he had this idea or his trainer did that, you know, he should eat from the top of the food chain because all the metal sink to the bottom of the ocean. Right. So we don't want that stuff on the bottom. And so he's eating uh, uh, tuna and swordfish all the uh. time. You know, and they uh, mercury rises to the top of the food chain. In fact, you know, like uh, a tuna or a swordfish will be a thousand to ten thousand times higher than like a sardine or a kipper. Yeah. And so he was eating the wrong fish, and he's just like, yeah, he's a powerhouse. And it was just salad fish, salad fish, salad fish all day. So, uh, you know, to give you some references, so this is all in parts per billion or nanograms per uh, per liter, and uh, the EPA recommendation for pregnant women is to stay below 5.6. All right. Then the 95th percentile on our testing is 7.4. Mm-hmm. He was 125. Oh. oh my God. Right. And he's a big guy. What is he? 6'6"? Six, six? Big guy. Oh yeah. I got videos. You know, he stopped by, I, I was down at his house and I helped him out. And then he did a video up at our lab to, to, you know, to sort of thank us. And uh, yeah. And he, he couldn't remember anything and he was exhausted all the time. Yeah. And Mr. Superman, you know, guys get so much energy and he knows everything, yeah. you know, and he was losing all that. And so he was a mess. And, uh, and his wife called, called me up, found me. And was like, can you do this for him? And he tried one DMPS chelation and it just wasted him out. And mm-hmm. so he went our way. We got him totally down in like four or five months, just whoosh, all the way down. Uh, and it was a very intense regimen, but we cleaned him up. His energy came back and everything was great. 
Now, a more impactful one, I mean, that's impactful, but early onset Alzheimer's or Mm. early onset dementia. This is one that I did with Dale Bredesen. You know Mm. Bredesen? Yes. Yeah. And so he's famous for all the Alzheimer's dementia work. And uh, this guy is a 56-year-old CEO out on the West Coast, was starting to, you know, have early onset dementia. And he had metabolic disease. So, Mm. uh, you, you know, he had fatty liver uh, and insulin resistance. And he, he went through all of uh, Dale's normal protocols and nothing was working. And then somebody suggested, hey, maybe measure your mercury. And because he lived near one of the doctors who works with us. And so she sent in a sample and he was 35, which mm. is still ridiculously high. It was really high. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we put him on a full detox program and that one went about seven months and uh, all of his symptoms reversed, you know, all this mind racing, anxiety, uh, all that stuff went away. His ability to sleep came up and all of his fatty liver and insulin resistance went away too. So it healed the metabolic side of it too. Now there's two reasons for that. I mean, the mercury does block some of these metabolic triggers, Uh, But a lot of the things that we use to upregulate mercury detox are also what are called AMPK activators. Mm. And so they turn up the mobilization of fatty deposits. Uh, So that was really good. You know, getting somebody's mind back at 56 is is a big, big deal. Yeah, especially when there's a reversible cost, right? And I think that's that... You know what they say about criminals, right? You don't let an um, innocent man go to jail or something to that effect, but um, you can let a criminal go out, but you cannot an- let an innocent man go to jail yeah. because th- that's how the law system. Similarly, in medicine, when something that's reversible, like somebody at the age of 50 is coming to you, instead of just saying there's nothing you can do, yeah, you have this dehumanizing disease and it runs in your family, so accept it. Yeah, I, I think this is important for people to know there are other opportunities which we as conventional medical doctors do not get trained and this is something that you have to seek and somebody like you who has done this because you started this whatever the lab out of you know sure like whatever your training it wasn't your vision or goal that you went with but it just fell into your lab ended up getting a phd in that then i'm like i'm gonna apply this to people and yeah right right and so that technology is available. And I, I think it's very important for people to understand so many things. I, I hadn't heard of what you just said, which is where metabolic syndrome can be reversed by taking care of the uh, mercury load. Now, in that particular patient, do you know where the mercury came from? Was it again fish? Oh, yeah, that was that was fish. You know, both of them, you know, Tony had had his amalgams removed 25 years earlier. Yeah. Uh, and so that was, that was all fish. No, actually the, for Tony, it was all fish for this CEO guy. It was, it was a mixture. It Mm. was both. And so he had his amalgams taken out and, but you know, the, the lion's share of the mercury was from fish and you'll find this, I'll find this with, uh, you know, like New York, New York guys and West coast guys Mm. where they're like, oh yeah, fish is the healthy alternative, but they're sort of, you know, eating rich. You know, mm. and so it's steaks, you know, instead of beef steaks, it's fish steaks and fish steaks are really high 
in mercury because you're taking a huge fish. And so the bigger the fish, you know, the bigger the amount of mercury in there because of the bioaccumulation. Do you know how many people I try to sell sardines to and the first thing they do is crinkle their nose? It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it so is. Good for you. I know. It, I think we have an acronym called SMASH. It's like sardines, anchovies, mackerel. I think salmon comes under that. I don't know if salmon is really, truly. Yeah, no, it's salmon, a fatty fish. It, no, it's, a, it's a size. But well, oh, well, this, I'm glad you said that because I, I meant to bring this up before. The misconception of mm -hmm. where the mercury is. Okay. Is the mercury in the muscle or is it in the fat? Fat, yeah. No. It's in the muscle? It's not in the fat. It's in the muscle. Mm -hmm. Right. Remember, so it's, it's, bound to, it's bound to cysteine in mm -hmm. the protein structure. In the protein, yeah. Cysteine, yeah, there's, yeah, there's none in the fat. There's fat, mm -hmm. you know, you look at PCBs and uh, flame retardants. Yeah, it's the pops the that's higher in salmon, too. That's yeah, true. Yeah, they're, they're in the fats, right? Mm -hmm. and, then the, and then the muscle has the metals. And mm -hmm. so uh, then for salmon, salmon vary in size. And so you've got the smaller things like sockeye salmon coho salmon pink mm -hmm. salmon these are pretty low in mercury levels so in parts per billion you know your sardine and your kipper and your anchovy they're like you know one to ten uh a salmon you know will be like 50 to 100 the small ones the bigger ones can get up to, to 200 a king can get up to 300 then you're talking about uh, the, the tuna and the swordfish, then you're at a thousand to four thousand. And something like Chilean sea bass is something people eat a lot of. Those are pretty high too. Ooh, uh, yeah. So, with the salmon, if you're staying with the smaller salmon, they're pretty clean. Got it. So, people eat shark? They do, and that's like the highest. There, we're talking about 10,000. Yeah. yeah. It's important to know because I think the what we, um, what I find, like, you know, coming from India, one of the going through medical school in India, the reason for disease used to be the scarcity. Here, the yeah. reason for disease is abundance, yes. right? Yes. So we're abundance. we're looking at yeah, two different uh, spectrum models, yeah. and models, completely different models, and both suffer a lot. And yeah. I think it's a uh, that's an important um, you know thing that I always keep in mind mm -hmm. is we have to come from abundance and having people shift, like especially if I yank fish from their diet, like don't do it every day and choose yeah. a different type of fish. They do cringe, but this is a true um, problem, especially if you're struggling with mood disorders and oh, yeah. um, neuropathy, um, yeah. you know, just not feeling um, yep. great. And all of your other tests, like your um, inflammatory markers are normal, your metabolic yep. uh, markers are normal. We got to look at metals at some point. Yeah, um, totally. And one of the nice things when you do a biochemical-based detox, where you're upregulating the system's own ability to detox, is you don't, it's not like you just pick mercury out of the stack. Yeah, I You know. take everything. Yeah. You're dropping mercury, cadmium, arsenic. You're, you're dropping the uh, chlorinated biphenols, the halogenated, the flame retardants. Uh, you're getting rid of pesticides, herbicides, Roundup. You're getting rid of so much stuff. And that's the whole toxic burden that's there. And one of the reasons that your whole detox system turns down because this is chronic exposure usually. I mean, you know, Tony was acute because he ate such high level fish, mm -hmm. but most people, their feeling of crappiness is from chronic exposure to a lot of stuff. So why are you not detoxing? Well, the main thing that shuts down detox is inflammation. 
Mm -hmm. So once inflammation starts winding up, then detox starts winding down. Now, where do you start generating all the inflammogens from? You know, these carbohydrate-rich and food-rich lifestyles where you start generating adiposity, and then the fat starts generating uh, different inflammatory cytokines. Uh, we're not fasting. You know, the thing in this eating all the time is you're always layering stuff on. It's those periods of fasting where you clear out the accumulated fat. You clear out, you know, accumulated uh, senescent cells. These are cells that get old and can't grow anymore and they secrete all this inflammatory stuff. So the, the, the crappier you feel, the crappier you start getting and the more you accumulate toxins and you just have to unpack that. You have to have less and you have to have clean and you have to clear out and you clear out so much stuff. These detoxes we put you on, there's senolytics in there that clear out senescent cells. There's AMPK activators that burn up all that uh, pro-inflammatory fat. And that's why that guy got better from his, uh, from his metabolic disease. It wasn't just unburdening the mercury. It was how we did it. We do it by turning up the inner cleaning chemistry. Yeah, you know, that, that part of it is very interesting because one of the things that we do in our practice, obviously we're looking for inflammatory markers. We're looking for metabolic health. We take care of those before we go to metals. Metals is like the last thing that I'm looking yeah. for, right? It's, it's, it's really not where I jump in unless I obviously something see in their mouth or in the history, I see like, you know, I eat fish every day and yeah. I'm a pescatarian, then yeah, I'm looking for mercury. So the part where the, um, let, let's say somebody comes, listens to our talk and says, okay, I want to do this detox, but they're still eating like crap. Does this detox really work at that time? Because I, I feel like you got to clean your diet before you turn on, get your detox supplements. How does your system actually work? Well, it, it will override that to an extent, but it's like, how much result are you going to get? You yeah. know? So if we're on a one to 10, you know, if you're clean up totally and you fast a whole bunch while doing your detox and you've, you know, your inflammation is down, you're going to get the 10. If you have a crappy diet and you use the supplements, maybe you're, you're only going to get a three. Yeah. You know, and then anywhere in between that. Right. So, you know, the easiest thing I think is to get people to intermittent fast and then slowly change their diet because they'll notice that they're starting to feel better. Uh, with the supplements, they are these, uh, I mentioned AMPK, that's a target that's hit when you fast or carb restrict. Mm -hmm. And it goes into your stores of energy and it mobilizes it. You know, this is what puts you into ketosis. You're mobilizing fat. The fatty acid oxidation Yeah, part. so you're moving mm -hmm. all that stuff out. So uh, a lot of our supplements have that. And so actually their metabolism improves and that helps them get up on top of the situation uh, because, you know, you because you have to get out from under that to be able to detox really well. So, you know, your approach of going after inflammatory stuff first is really good because you're unburdening the detox system. Mm -hmm. Then it makes the second part easier. But yeah. over the years, we built all of these metabolic things into our detox and that made the whole thing work a whole lot better. In fact, uh, using, there was a guy who studied our liver detox, like mm -hmm. a simple two-part thing called push catch liver detox. Mm -hmm. He did, a hundred patients with fatty liver diagnosed through ultrasound and blood markers. And in one to two months, it varied per person how long mm -hmm. they were on this. He got 82% resolution of fatty liver. That's amazing. I mean, 
I'm not even kidding. Right now, the statistics is hepatitis C. We found a cure for it. So it's no yeah. longer the leading cause of cirrhosis after alcohol liver disease. It's fatty liver. It's a NASH. Yeah. And so, yeah. 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 So that 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 is very powerful to have a solution because changing diet, changing lifestyle is like changing your religion. You, you got to have a belief in it, right? Uh, you want to believe there's something different and you want to be able to do this. So can we just get somebody on like people are willing to take medicines and supplements. It, it's amazing yeah. how, because yeah. it's just, it, in fact, in my, on my Facebook group, I actually asked them, somebody was asking about inflammation and somebody said, I want to have no prep time, good meals. And I'm thinking, how do you do no prep? time good meals and hire good. a chef hire a damn chef right yeah. you, got like, a money. you can do that for you, you. you got money hire yeah. a chef you don't have any prep time all you do is show up in your dining table yeah. and they'll have the food for you but the truth of the matter is you gotta prepare your body to yeah. for it to work for you you have to yeah. take care it's like cleaning house yeah. and when you're cleaning house you you know how I don't know if you've had a cleaning lady. I used to have a cleaning lady uh, for my um, home. You, you have to clean the house enough for the cleaning exactly. lady to come in and get it the rest of the That's way. exactly what I was saying. All over the place. Everybody, everybody knows this. You got to clean for the cleaning lady. Yeah. And it's the same principle when it comes yeah. to you got to open your yep. detox pathways before you detox. And yeah. let's do that by cleaning out the inflammation, getting the right mm -hmm. foods in so your detox is effective in a shorter period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So how is your detox different from whatever is available? Because people are constantly buying st stuff off the yeah. market, right? Because it's a consumer world. Yeah, your sort of classic consumer detox is a bunch of laxatives, <laughs> you know? And so everybody goes, oh, it's a detox. Oh, I'm going to wait until I'm at home for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah. what are you talking well, I got to be by the bathroom. I'm like, no, 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 no. And, you know, laxatives do help. I will say that. But this is not how this all works. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this took years to really build it together the way it is. And, you know, it was being a biochemist. I look at the different pathways. I study all the compounds. There's so much basic research on these botanical compounds and what genes are upregulating, what pathways are affecting. So you start putting things together, some things that'll work at a cellular level to get the cell to push the toxins out into the blood. But then you have to make sure you open up and move the liver. In fact, that moves means bioflow. All toxins leave the liver with the bile. And the bile transporters and the toxin transporters are essentially the same thing. They're a twin pair of transporters that upregulate and downregulate together. And so if you're not moving bile, you're not moving toxins. So embedded into the detox system are bitter compounds for bile movement. At the same time, we have compounds for upregulating the cellular level. So you got cells upregulated, you got liver upregulated, and then you have binders in the GI because once you dump the toxins down to the GI, a whole bunch of them get reabsorbed. So you have to time that, that you move the cells, move the liver, and coordinate it with catching in the GI tract. Now, how do you do that with capsules? Because you're taking this capsule of berberine and it takes eight hours to absorb, but your lipoic acid is in, in, an, in within an hour and these other herbals are in in three hours. And then how do we do all this? So we do all of our delivery in nanoparticle systems, liposomes and nano emulsions uh, are little spherical 
uh, vessels made out of the same thing that your cell membranes are made out of. And when you make these things small enough, they absorb right across the oral mucosa. You can measure them in the blood within two minutes. You'll peak in the blood in 20, 25 minutes and whoosh, all this stuff happens. So all the compounds come in at the same time. You activate all the pathways, you dump through the bile. And a half hour after that, you come in with your binders things like charcoal and zeolite, uh, the special metal binder that we made all together in a cocktail of binders and they catch all that mess. And once we did that, everything got so much less complicated and so much less symptomatic. Because like, if you look at the, the liver, say I activate stuff out of the blood, out of the cells and it's mm -hmm. into the blood and the liver's trying to take it. But if the bile's blocked and you can't dump through the bile, what does the liver do? It opens up a door and dumps everything back into the blood. Right, yeah. And it floods back into the blood. It goes down to your kidneys. It stresses your kidneys. It, you'll start itching because the bile salts are dumped into the blood too. And they actually go into the skin and make you itch. You'll feel tough up here. You'll feel queasy. And then you'll start getting rashes as the toxins come up, out and, and infect, uh, or inflame the immune system. That's all the negative effects of detox. But once you harmonize the movement with the movement of bile and the catching, then it all works well. And for the inflammatory markers, because they're blocking the whole thing, we learned to use CBD. And we learned this mostly in the autistic market. This is how we honed everything. Because you can take a tough dude like Tony Robbins, you can beat him over the head with detox. Yeah. And it's going to work. Yeah. The autistic kids, you, can, you make them look at a bottle of something and they'll freak out. Yeah. You know? And so you had to calm the system with CBD and then you had to line up those pathways. And we had autistic kids doing full-on detoxes in no time by mm. controlling all that. You know? Now, yeah, ideally you're going to get people, you're going to clean up this, clean up that, clean up that. But a lot of these cases, you kind of have to do it all at once. Yeah. One thing screwing up something else or screwing up something else. So, so that approach of calm, dump, catch really, really works well. And if then if you can get, you know, if you have already worked on some of the inflammation and you start cleaning up their diet, then it's just going to work all that much better. Absolutely. So if, uh, you know, I, I was reading um, before in, in preparation for this conversation with you, and I was reading in one of the articles and I'll just pull that up. It was very interesting to see. It spoke about how mercury was used in tooth powder in the 1920s. So did you know about that in 1920? Teething yeah. powders. Yeah, teething powders. Yeah. yeah. And then the so, kids were getting pink's disease. Yeah, pink's disease. Exactly. Their yeah. skin would turn all pink and then they would curl up in a little ball and they'd have all that, you know, all that brain issue and not all the kids got it and they couldn't reflect, they couldn't relate it to urinary levels. Yeah. And so it was a mystery until they figured out it was the mercury, but yeah. uh, it does show the heterogeneity of exposure differences or uh, sensitivity differences in people and excretion stuff all they had to look at was urine but if we were looking at blood and urine together you'd see certain people were blocked and their blood was really high but then you have the genetics and the susceptibility problem there was a, a big study done in portugal called the casapia study and it was done ostensibly to prove that amalgams are okay and they took like 300 kids in orphanages, you know, it's like, this sounds very unethical. And they split them in two and half got amalgams and half got composite. And then they tracked them for like five years. And after, you know, a certain number of years, they did uh, cognition tests, mm -hmm. you know, like 
motor, visual motor tests and auditory motor tests. And across the whole grouping of people, they couldn't see a difference. Then they broke open a couple of genetic subsets. And there, there were some that had vast differences in the mercury to the composite one. And these differences, one of the biggest one was the metallothionine gene. The metallothionine is one of the glutathione-like, you know, high sulfur uh, metal mops in the body. And if you had that uh, metallothionine gene, then the, the decrease in cognition with increasing mercury level was vast and it wasn't seen at all in the other group. And they wouldn't even say what percentage of the group had that because this was a skewed study. They didn't want to show any of this shit. And, uh, but it was like, I, I, I believe I found out it was like between 10 and 30%, you know, but you put that into the whole population and, you know, that's the thing with big studies. It's just a shotgun of stuff. And you miss that. So there's a distinct sensitivity people have. And we haven't totally worked out all the genes that go into that sensitivity. And then that's genetic. And then there's epigenetic. So say you have a chronic inflammatory issue. We already established that's chronically turning down your uh, detoxification at a cellular and systemic level. So now you're going you're gonna to collect toxins and be more sensitive to them. And so epigenetically, you have that block. Any, you know, any chronic infection, you know, Lyme disease, all of a sudden you're going to be ultra sensitive to mercury. So there's a lot of things that go into who's going to get nailed by it and who's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that particular study that you just spoke of. Mark Hyman always talks to us about that, um, about the young kids that um, showed a huge change in their cognition if you really followed them and looked at the genetics yeah. and which is why this doesn't catch on because you know something like covid everybody gets affected so that yeah. becomes a huge public health crisis this is an in a way of public health crisis is just in a very endemic way very um uh, under the radar and unless you are going out seeking to be tested for it treated for it, you don't realize what a big burden it is well, in your even, body. Even looking COVID, you know, mm -hmm. most people aren't affected by COVID. Yeah. You know, versus a flu, it's the same. Yeah. Right, you know, right, right. What, no, I, what I know what you mean. And but... then a certain percentage get tanked by it. And then they focus heavily on that. And they're like, yeah. these people are really sick in order to whip up fear. But on the dental side, they hide all that. Yeah. And we right. don't look at that. Right. And uh, it, it's very difficult because all of this takes a lot of money, but so does disease. And I don't think people yeah. realize that, you know, staying sick for long. You know, I was just talking to you before we started recording where people are on um, immunomodulators like methotrexate or Humira. And when yeah. you ask them to change the diet or give them a supplement, they're more worried about whether the diet or the supplement is going to harm them. Yeah. And they're not even looking at what these drugs do to their body. I yeah. mean, literally puts you at a higher risk risk for infections and cancer, yeah. the longer you take them, we're not yeah. talking about that. Nobody's giving you informed consent. Imagine if every time I wrote a prescription for methotrexate and handing it over oh. to a patient, yes, I'm going to tell them, hey, the chances your liver will not work any in a long time yeah. period of time, your lungs would be fibros, you will be at a higher risk for cancer, but we'll deal with it when that comes. Do you know how many of my patients will actually take it? Probably no one. They will yeah. think twice about it. We and don't say that. For autoimmune issues. Right, right. What if you address the problem and got rid of the autoimmune issue? 
absolutely. And I, I think this is where we fail in medicine. We make these diseases which are common, we normalize it. We normalize yeah. taking methotrexate. We yeah. normalize taking yeah. Humira. We normalize taking blood pressure yep. medicine. So people, that fear has gone away. You know, it's yep. nothing novel. It's nothing new. Whereas the vaccine would be something that's new. So everybody's afraid, or maybe that's a bad example. But you know, when yeah. you're trying to talk about diet, it, uh, it's something that's like new to them. Yeah. And their neighbor is still cooking barbecue and flipping over a quick burger, whereas why should I be eating greens? It's That's where I think we get confused. Yeah. And really, it's very important to look at it in the right setting, um, especially if you haven't found any answers and you have a teeth filled with amalgams and every dentist, the 25 dentists you've gone to has told you, it does not matter. Yeah. It probably does. So yes. I, I guess that's the message I'm trying to get across. So what would your uh, closing message be to someone who's listening to us and is like all confused? Like, where do I begin? What do I need to do next? Now, I got these fillings. Should I be taking them out? I do love fish. Should I be getting tested? What would you say? How would you ask them to approach it? Yeah, and well, I mean, testing is a great start to know, you know, what kind of burden do I have, mm -hmm. right? And then how am I going to deal with it? And then starting to learn, you know, what goes into detoxification. It can be integrated into your life. It could just be, oh, I'm just going to add in these supplements and I'm slowly going to clear this out. You know, if your fish-based mercury is high, you have to start making different choices about fish. You know, if you really want to detox, you're probably going to drop fish altogether for a little while and then reintegrate it in a more responsible manner. Uh, but there is such a reward for cleaning up the body. Your, your mind, your energy levels, uh, everything starts to work so much better. And that clarity that you have, you know, we used to talk about the toxic response, a very toxic person, because there's a discomfort in the whole body. And you're looking for a source of that. And there's, a, there's, you know, a psychosis forming in the brain from mm. all the toxins, especially the metals. And what you do is you start having toxic responses to people. You look at that person and they say something to you and all that discomfort, you pin it on them. And then you won't, you know, and you start having a bad relationship with the whole system around you. And you start rejecting the things that really should nurture you. And you start accepting the things that are making you worse. And you have to flip that on its head. And you have to open up your experience into the world. And you have to take in the things that nurture you and build you and strengthen you. And I'll never forget when I first got my amalgams out and I detoxed, I realized that my whole body was, was closed in around my gut with this massive, you get a massive accumulation of mercury in there when you have amalgams. And when I cleared all that out, I realized how much it opened up and my legs uncrossed and my belly opened up and I expanded my awareness back into the world, mm. accepted the world again that I was rejecting. And the mind, you know, it's a big part of that, you know, because the clothes, it makes you paranoid and it makes you think everything's wrong. And then all of a sudden you're unburdened and you're free to have gratitude again. Wow. You know, you sound exactly like another speaker I had uh, spoken to recently about spiral keys. 
Lyme's disease, oh, yeah. it's exactly the same. So yeah. I think these things all affect the same detoxification pathways, most yeah. likely. Yeah, you're clearing Lyme, you're always clearing metals when yeah. you're trying to clear the infection. That was always traditionally done. Uh, and same thing with mycotoxins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're always doing this too at the same time. And there's such an overlap on how they affect you mentally and physically. It's like they're different manifestations you know, uh, of the same sort of demon. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, these are the people who get into that victim mode oh, and yeah. uh, don't know how to come out of it. They don't, some... The sick people don't know how to come out. And you tell yeah. them to do X and they do. B, you know, yeah. they don't even do Y. Yeah. They just do something totally different. And then often there's like a paranoia that forms. And I've had people that come to me and they, they look all sketchy and they're like, I was wondering if I might have mercury symptoms. And they start telling you their symptoms and you're like, absolutely. And then they look at you weird, like, how could you say that? And then they run away. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. You know, I, so I, getting I, them to I, take that first step, they're like addicts, you know, you can't get them off of the, you know, off of their roller coaster. Yeah, it, it, they, they are. They're truly because I do remember young people coming to me. They're my youngest patients are my toughest because they'll pay all this money and they won't follow through because they're just very scared to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I remember talking about mercury initially about, uh, you know, reading about it in way back in school about the Mad Hatter, where yeah. they used to paint the felt hats with yeah, mercury. With, with mercuric nitrate. And then yeah. Yeah. they're always licking it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually, all of these guys, they sold all these hats, but they would die madmen. And yeah. nobody knew why that was. But mm -hmm. now we know. And uh, mercury is present in uh, makeup. Um, some of the makeup, lead. Yeah. And whitening, whitening, skin whitening creams. And you'll get this in cultures where their skin are darker. I haven't yeah. seen that, you know, uh, Indians will do that. But the ones who are really notorious are the Southeast Asians and uh latin americans because mm. uh, it's like the wider you are that means you have the money you're not going out into the sun and working and so they're always using these skin lightening creams and a lot of them were mercuricals there were mercurials and uh that did the bleaching and so yeah, yeah. Uh, i'd seen some really bad cases from those yeah the, this is this has been very enlightening i should say um so now people are gonna actually look at like whitening whitening creams i remember i grew up with fair and lovely yeah. that was yeah. the greatest cream in india because yeah. if you're not white you don't get married because it was all arranged oh, marriages okay. that that was the reason it wasn't about yep. rich or poor it's like everybody wanted a white-skinned girl but they're they're guys yep. the guys would be pitch black but the girl pitch had black, to be. but the girls got to <laughs> look like the ones you know so it uh it's a it's a very different i think you know people are speaking out against that kind of a culture but it'll take a long time so i think um you know looking at your products what you're eating what you might be exposed to what are your symptoms the fact that you don't have any answers i think this is a great place to start get tested yeah. and work with someone who who really understands how to get you detox because yeah. I do have people who read things off Google University and yeah. feel like I got this. And then halfway through, they are miserable ah. because they don't know what, yeah, what's yeah. happening. So it, it really helps to get some guidance. Um, is there anything else that I should have asked you? You feel I should have asked you, but I didn't ask. No, it, it, except that, you know, just following up on the, on the last thing I said about the mindset. Uh, so uh, stress, 
puts you into sympathetic, into fight or flight. Yeah. When you're in fight or flight, you prioritize reactions in the body that let you run away. And detoxification is from the parasympathetic side. Now people will say rest and digest, but it's rest, digest, repair, regenerate, detoxify. It's where all the healing comes from. Mm -hmm. So if you can't find moments of calm in your life, if you can't do some breathing exercises, if you can't sit and look at uh, at nature, you're not going to be able to detox. Even if you take all my best supplements, you're not, you're going to get such a limited return there. So learning to calm down uh, is opening up detox. And remember how it's it, like, it's a negative spiral because uh, the mercury works on the glutamate receptors, which gives you anxiety, which puts you in fight or flight. And so as you peel the layers away and as you work on calming yourself, you're working on opening up your detox system. As you do that, you remove the toxins that are affecting the glutamate receptors and you progressively get farther and farther away from this locked fear-based life that kills you, that just kills you. And so realizing that part that's in your control to control your breathing, your relaxation, your perception uh, of fear in the world. Those are really the X factors to getting you better and being well. Yeah. You know, I, I could talk about this for another whole hour because that is the most powerful thing which people need to realize because if they don't sleep, if they don't calm down, they don't take that moment for self-care. It does not matter how many thousand dollars you spend on supplements. Your no system work. will not work for you. Yeah, it's, and no. uh, which is why I feel like these are things that you don't do on your own. You don't go it alone. Get a team to work with you. Do it systematically. Do it methodically yeah. to get the best results. Um, I find like our best patients are the ones who truly just trusted us because for me, I have to deliver. So I will do anything and everything for the patient sitting in front of me to get them the results because not only do I want to see that happen, the reputation of my skill is based on the results I give someone else. Right. So it's, it's so important to have that relationship. And I think a lot of people try to look for a quick fix. So though yep. you, your name is Quicksilver Scientific, um, <laughs> but a lot of it has got to do with- That's Mercury. Quick it's not Mercury. Fast. I know, I know. I remember playing with Mercury. I mean, it used yeah, to be right. my most favorite thing to do so cool. as a child. Yes, yes. Uh, squishing it in my hands. I better yeah. do those tests. But uh, yep. this has been an enlightening conversation. And thank you so much again for what you have imparted in this. Thank I really appreciate- Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you again. All right. Take All care. Right.